the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let's Talk Kingdom Radio. I want to invite you to become a one-time investor with Let's Talk Kingdom Radio. Help us to keep growing in other cities nationwide, in magazine articles and other media. You are welcome to come to ltkradio.com and click on the Partner tab. We would love to see you there. Stay tuned for today's Kingdom Topic. Here's Olivia with today's message. Welcome to Let's Talk Kingdom. My name is Olivia Barrett, and we are here to talk about Kingdom topics. So I love hosting this show and connecting us to things that are happening in Scripture, but it's happening in your life. Like, it's how God is connecting us to his thoughts and his ways and even responses. And so here we are. Like, I love being here, and I'm excited to do this show with you. What God is doing in our everyday world. You know, these are things like, okay, so I get up in the morning, and I'm doing my regular schedule, and I'm thinking to myself, God, wake me up. (laughs) Like, wake me up. Like, would my mind be awake? And would my energy come? And, you know, would my brain start working? I mean, literally, I have, (laughs) you know, moments where (laughs) this is why I love being on the show with you is because, you know, it's taking our life, like the ways that we hear him and connecting to God in our everyday and then asking him to make new idea, a new feeling, a new understanding, like so that we can understand something more about the kingdom. And I feel like that's where we are today with this show is kind of like, okay, God, like awaken us to something, you know, like what I wanted to bring to us today is something that is really kind of mind-blowing when it comes to Acts 2. Because in Acts 2, you know, you've heard so much in these different verses um, that connect you to pictures in your mind of what Pentecost looked like or, you know, what it actually meant and how it's connected to our, you know, our understanding now, (laughs) how things work and how it should work. And so I wanted to walk us through some things. And of course, like I want to read the scripture to you. So we have it, you know, just really fresh and right here. But this is Acts 2, 1. Um, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So that actually means if you go back a little bit, you know that Um, Before Jesus ascended, he told his disciples, so the 12, but he actually told, you know, other people that had been following him, it was like up to 150 people, I believe, to go to Jerusalem and wait uh, for the comforter. You know, other people and other translations, it was called, you know, the Holy Spirit was called the counselor. They had no idea what this was. All they heard was that they were going to receive a gift 
from the Father in heaven. And so they needed to wait. And I read in another version, it said tarry. Isn't that great? Like that descriptive word of just tarry a little bit. You know, just wait a little bit longer. You know, just keep waiting. You know, hang out a little bit longer. Spend time there. Um, So I love that. And just wanted to say kind of that is where we are here in this and setting up that picture in your mind. Um, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them okay so this is where i'm ready to let god blow your mind a little bit (laughs) because um i refer to this some you know and it's it's such a special place you know, in my growing up um, and connected to the church. But, you know, I had Sunday school classes as a little girl and they would show pictures, you know, things to really help you as a kid understand what was going on in scripture. And there was this one that I always thought was so cool because it never made sense to me. Well, there was <clears throat> there was a reason for that. But the, it was the picture of all of these men Um, And they had these little floating fires over their head. Like, have you seen this picture? So, I mean, if you weren't a kid in Sunday school, maybe you've actually gone to look at some pictures online of, of what this was like at Pentecost and how artists have depicted, you know, how this all went down. And so, I mean, I was always blown away. I'm like, so there's fire above these people's heads and it's just floating in the air. And that's supposed to be God. Like, I mean, it just, it felt so nuts to me. You know, I mean, obviously there was no other place in scripture where uh, there was fire like this floating over heads, you know, but it's really significant in this because it was actually something that people could see, you know, and, and here's some of the things that I wanted you to, you know, hear from me as I was reading about this section and understanding this a little bit more. So, um, This is interesting because when you're looking at how this was going and how long they had waited, um, it's interesting that in their waiting, they had not become impatient. Nowhere in scripture does it say that as the disciples waited for this gift, uh, were they impatient? If anything, it actually brought unity and cohesiveness. Isn't that amazing? So as they're waiting, now you've got to remember too, they're also grieving. So Jesus die on a cross. Now he was risen and now he's ascended. Okay. So, you know, talk about stages of grief. You know, you've experienced somebody who has transformed your life. You saw them die. Then you saw them risen because they came and visited you. He came and visited lots and lots of his disciples. I mean, I remember somebody, um, say this is like a disciples perspective, not just the 12, but the other people too, that were there, uh, there were people that have actually said, uh, you know, it's somewhere between a hundred and 150 people that were in the upper room at that time. Isn't that amazing? So, you know, you're the disciple 
whether you're part of the 12 or you're actually someone who had experienced Jesus and you had been just transformed by his teaching and his life and the way he treated others and you are following um, every word at this point. And so he said to wait in Jerusalem for the gift and that's what you're doing and you're part of that group that's in the upper room. Well, let's think about this. You know, for days, people are waiting on this gift. And, you know, I mean, a lot has to happen in between. You know, you're you're trying to think through life, right? Like you're trying to think through, okay, well, when do we eat and when do we come back together and how do we sleep? Like, I mean, you know, it's interesting to think through some of those details, you know, as they were waiting. Okay, so I want to, you know, just give you that, that, that perspective and just that amazing connection to, you know, there really could have been chaos. There really could have been um a lot of uh, heartache, actually, in those kind of moments, but there wasn't. It says they were with in one accord, is what they said in verse 1. So that meant that, you know, not only were they waiting, but they were choosing. They were choosing to actually uh, live with each other in anticipation of this gift that they were promised would come. The next little bit here, where uh, you can hear some new things. I want to I give you something brand new. So not only did the disciples choose to be in one accord, and they were all in one place, but I want to show you something here. Like, there was a sound. Now, I have had, we, we here, I'm here in central Kentucky, and um, I mean, I guess it was most of February, we had such strong wind here in Kentucky. Um, a lot of people said that was because of some great, amazing moves of God here and an outpouring, which is pretty cool uh, to think that that might be um, why we were having such high wind. But I mean, they were saying high wind because they meant it. You know, it's like the high seas. You know, if you're talking about something on that level, it is loud and it's moving around you. The wind was so fierce, like it would circle our neighborhood. We could hear it coming down the street before it actually reached our block. I mean, the wind was so intense and so interesting. I mean, I was like, (laughs) I get so interested in these types of things, you know, um, the little girls and I, and even my teenagers, like, you know, we would watch the wind and we would stand out in the wind when it was safe. I mean, just really neat things. But all that to say, did you know that this part in scripture only talks about a sound. It doesn't actually talk about feeling the wind. And it doesn't even say seeing the wind. And I have never known that. Like, I have always thought that when they said that there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, then that meant all of the other things that go along with wind came with it too, you know, where you feel it on your skin or it blows your hair back or, you know, it's so fast on your eyes, like it makes your eyes water. Well, do you know that is not what, that's not what happened. This sound of a rushing wind was a sound only. And let that just like sink in for a minute. You know, we're, they're using this type of language to help us understand what happened at Pentecost that day. So <laughs> the, the rushing wind was actually just a sound. It never came in as a wind. 
It was a sound and it was the only sound that could be described in that way because we had never, we have never experienced a move of God where there was no wind, but it sounded like wind. Okay. So I'm trying to set up this in your mind where you see that God is up to something different. He is wanting to you know, bring a movement from heaven, but it is not a movement that anyone has ever experienced before. It is not even what our human bodies have, have felt or seen or understand. So the sound came first. It was a sound from heaven and it sounded like a rushing mighty wind. Okay. Wow. But then they could tell that the sound basically had overtaken the whole house in the sound, not the wind is what took over um, the whole place. It says it filled the house where they were sitting. Okay. So it's amazing to think about a sound uh, taking over a space, but that's what this was. It was a sound. It was not the wind. Isn't that so interesting? Okay. So going on, so that sound actually interesting. Okay, so going on. So that sound actually brought something that was evidence that God was moving. So it wasn't just the sound, but then at that point, after the sound filled the room, what appeared um, onto them were these tongues of fire. Now, the reason why it's explained as a tongue of fire is because it is very similar to the pictures of fire that we see like in icons or, you know, even in pictures. It's got a curve at the bottom and then at the top, it actually has spikes to it. And those spikes, of course, are, you know, the tops of the fire that are moving around. And and if you know anything about fire and the oxygen and, and how all of that, you know, is working, you know, the fire itself is actually in motion because of all the other uh, elements around it, right? Well, as this is being described in scripture, um, it actually says, think of what they've experienced. You know, they've seen him. They've seen him die. They have seen him come to life because they were visited by him. And then, you know, the fact that he's gone now, he's now in heaven. He's been ascended as an actual person, you know, like he's a man that is now in heaven. And, you know, all these people are like, I just need more of this understanding. I need more of what Jesus came for, you know, so these are the people it's kind of like, you know, representing the hunger, you know, of, of God in this. I want to get more of God. I need this gift. I need what it is that God is promising here through Jesus. Like before he left, he promised something. And so I want this. And, you know, you're sitting here in this moment where you're trying to understand the description in scripture of, you know, what is a cloven tongue? Like, what does that actually mean? And, you know, there are lots of explanations. I mean, I don't know if you ever get into some of the research of how people view certain things in scripture. It's real interesting. You know, you always have to ask God what it is that he wants to say, you know, and so, and that's why I prayed that earlier, you know, for God to really show us something here. But, 
You know, the the part, the word cloven is usually what people get stuck on. And it's because, you know, it actually represents something that's been split. And the fact that they said tongue, it would mean that, you know, two people's eye that maybe, you know, the fire was representing the tongue and then it got split. You know, um, other people were referring to the fact that, you know, a tongue was describing the languages they were speaking. Well, let me tell you something that I've learned here and what I think God wants us to rest on. But it is this picture that the sound that came from heaven was a spiritual sound. It was a sound that sounded like wind to us, but it did not produce wind. It did not produce the feeling of wind. It did not, you know, give us the effects of wind. It did not do that. But the sound itself was spiritual. And so this sound actually had to produce something tangible in order for, you know, people to... Friends, it is the middle of the show, and I wanted to let you know something new that is going on here for Let's Talk Kingdom. Today, I want to focus on mini courses and what God is doing there in that environment where you can learn about His voice and how it sounds and, and how unique it is to you and what are the things He's doing around you that are confirming direction. So, Join us for this mini course at ltkradio.com and click on mini courses. We will see you there. It's exciting for the new things that are happening here on Let's Talk Kingdom. Now let's get back to the show. It's this gift. And so this is pretty beautiful. So this fire I was reading um, actually represents judgment. Oh, wow. And, you know, thinking about this, it's so um, impressive how God would do this, but you know, fire in scripture represents judgment. And I was, you know, really interested about how it, you know, the Holy in scripture and how it's connected and to learn, you know, God moving in that way, you know, and then, you know, you think about other ways that God has moved, you know, and people say, well, that was, you know, moves of the Holy Spirit. And Without getting into a lot of detail there, you know, God uses moments in scripture uh, to represent his power, to represent things that, you know, are beyond us. Um, And, you know, this sound is one of them. Well, then you step into the next thing that happened, which is this fire. And the fire is representing judgment. But, you know, like when you're thinking about Uh, When Jesus encountered God at baptism, it was through a dove, right, which represented peace. And there's a lot of symbolism in how God did that. You know, that God wanted to demonstrate a spiritual moment, like a connection to the kingdom over his son in that moment. And so, you know, a lot of people go, well, you know, the Holy Spirit is a dove. Well, (laughs) yes. Um, The Holy Spirit is represented as a dove in that part of scripture. But when you read this, do you see a dove? You don't, you know, do you see um, anything else that would be maybe more gentle or more connected to, you know, peace in that? You don't. You actually see um, this sound of heaven become fire. And, you know, what's really interesting is this fire, um, Since it was cloven, that means that it was actually given 
to each of the disciples in the upper room. So again, remember, this is not just the 12. This is the additional group of people that were following Jesus and decided to go with the disciples, the 12, to wait for this gift. Okay, so the sound produced fire and then the fire was given to the people. But the fire didn't consume the people as judgment would. The fire actually rested upon them. And, you know, there is a reason why fire came from the sound. The sound that came from heaven produced fire. It didn't produce a dove. You know, it didn't even produce water. Uh, which is, you know, something that's important to us. It produced fire. And the fire in scripture, especially in a spiritual sense, represents judgment. But here's what happened. So as the fire was resting on the disciples, this is this is verse four at this point. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. So let me like even give you this picture in your own mind. Like when you're thinking about this sound that filled the room. And then you're thinking about the fire that rested on them. Which did not burn them up. And it actually did not condemn them. But it was a fire of judgment. And it's this place of recognizing what God's power has the ability to do. But what did the fire produce? The fire produced inside of them the ability to speak in another language. Okay, so we went from a spiritual sound to a fire that rested above people's heads and then into an actual manifestation of something that could not be denied at that point. And it was speaking other languages. Um, I read it and quit. It's not like that. This, this was a language that was meant to be given to the people that were around them. So uh, when you're thinking about this, that would mean that if you were a disciple in the upper room waiting for this gift from heaven, and there was someone in that city that spoke a different language than you, you had no education and no learning of that language. But after the fire was hovering over your head, the Holy Spirit gave you the utterance like he that's what it says like the Holy Spirit gave you that possibility you were able to then function as someone who could speak a language of someone in that city ability to speak of God and the gospel in other languages you know that feels like a wow moment for the kingdom you know like when you're really looking at how God does things and how it doesn't make sense. But, you know, it really is working. <laughs> you know, he, he he does things that, you know, feel out of order. Or, you know, he's setting up things that, you know, when they come, it is not at all what you expected. But it's working. This is exactly what's happening here in these four verses of Acts 2. He is doing something that is going to work and it's going to spread his good news and it's going to spread um, not judgment, 
but grace. It's going to give people power to speak about what saves them and how God did it and how it doesn't make sense. And it's for us to receive and for us to submit to. And and this is the good power of God. Like this is the good intention of a good father. All of this is coming from the father, like it's coming from the father. And, you know, to think that he would go to this measure of symbolism, you know, the things that the people of the time would understand and just fully embrace, you know, to think that fire represented judgment, you know, fire was used in all kinds of different ways, you know, and to think that fire at that point could have really led to a consuming of no more disciples. Like those disciples could have been burned up right there, but because of what Jesus did and the order of when the fire came upon them, the fire actually brought the gospel. It brought the ability for these disciples who have never preached in their life, who have never learned these languages, who, you know, never even had the thought or the possibility of moving out of their own town. What he did is he gave them the ability to speak somebody else's language so that the gospel could keep going. So the good news and what the Father did and how Jesus submitted and how he chose us, all of those things created now what is the church and how the church is to respond like to the sound and to the fire and to the language that we're given. I mean, I'm I'm really blown away, like in just these four verses and what I've learned and thinking that, you know, God represents um, judgment. He does like it's because we sin. But, you know, he didn't he didn't actually do what he had the power to do. I mean, in that moment, if fire represents judgment, he didn't do what he really could have done. And it's because Jesus was the one who was faithful completely faithful to the thing that God had already planned to save us. And so I just want to bless you with that. Like what it means that we would understand that the fire that came from heaven that could have judged us and completely uh, sent us away did not. It enabled us. It's given us abilities. It's given us power and connection uh, to God in ways that only he can do because he wants the word to go forth. He wants it to move forward. He wants it to change people's lives the way it's changed yours. And so I just want to bless you with this, like through the sound of heaven and through the fire that came and was dispersed and given among all of the disciples into different languages, you know, that those languages are speaking of, you know, the revelation, the things that are happening now. Thanks so much for joining me today. I will see you soon. Thanks again for connecting to Let's Talk Kingdom Radio. We will see you next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.